Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. everybody from Bitcoin Roundtable. It is episode 52. Uh, Vince here. I'm here with Darren. Hey everybody. And Libya. And uh, I guess it's about that time of year. We say happy holidays or Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Yeah, depending on what your thing is, sure. Yeah, Happy holidays, I think, was always safe to cover everybody, wasn't it? All the best to you and yours. And uh... that's probably one of the most interesting things this year that I didn't realize was I don't know, reading random information but finding out just a large percentage of people that are on antidepressants. Well, they dole them out like candy. It's massive. Yeah, I've done a lot of research in the last year on depression and stuff like that. Oh, did you write a thesis? No, I didn't write any thesis, but I did do a little bit of research. And there, are, and to back up what you're saying, there are a lot of people. Maybe your producer Libby can dig up a percentage. Oh, I'll bet it's... 40%? Higher than that. I think lower than that, but that's. I'll get the stats. I'm calling Google in Canada, okay? You're calling Google. Canadians are among the world's biggest users of antidepressants, with as much as 9% of the population on one depression fighting drug or another. Only 9? I figured it was almost every other person I ran into. Well, that's almost 1 in 10. Yeah. Pretty high. Hold on a second here. There's probably another 2% who need it that you can add to that. 20%. Maybe 20 that need it. They're misdiagnosed. So many people need them that don't have them. Yeah, I do. I think an awful lot of people aren't getting the help they need. Yeah. They're too embarrassed or... For whatever reason, yeah, they're not getting the help. They feel that they can't access the help. I'm quick, but not as quick as I ever used to be to judge somebody when they do lose their shit. I do actually stop and think, you know, maybe they're having a really fucking bad day. Oh, I get it. <laughs> For whatever reason it might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no doubt. A lot of people are having really bad days. So why are so many people in Canada having really bad days? Well, this is just antidepressant use, so I think there's probably people worldwide that are having a bad day, but I mean, you know, it might be easier for Canadians to a- access care and antidepressant. Okay, but what about Britain or Sweden? Not Sweden, they're happy in Sweden. They're not depressed up there. No, no, I think that's more fallacy at this point. Get on your phone, Google it. It says one in every four people are affected by depression mm-hmm. in Britain. Canada, what's Canada? How do we get talking about depression? It's the most wonderful time of the year. But not for everybody. That's right. I guess. Yeah. See, I don't know. I heard Finland gets really... Well, I think alcohol is more of a solution there. I don't think we as Canadians are any more depressed than a lot of other people. Is there a link between poverty and unhappiness? Um, I don't think a strong correlation. They have a figure... I think it's, you know, it's somewhere around like $66,000. Past that point, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. So as long as your basic needs are being covered, your your rent, your car payment, your feeding your kids, all that kind of stuff. But right. no, nobody should be in true poverty. But I think a lot of Canadians are. The 10 most depressed countries in the world. Okay. I can't believe we're talking about this on the, the holiday episode. The U.S. is in the top 10. So the top four most depressed countries in the world, Indonesia, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Iran. Anxieties, Bangladesh, Iran, Nigeria, and Germany. That's random. Overall, Pakistan, Nigeria, Bangladesh, Mexico. Well, I mean, there's obvious reasons. Sure, sure, yeah. Doesn't get down to the nitty gritty, but that's going to take a lot of research. I do know you can take HIV, cancer, 
and almost any other really bad illness and group all the people together and it still doesn't equal the amount of people who suffer from mental illness but yet they give very little recognition very little money towards the cause I mean, to me, it's it's not surprising. You know, when it comes to AIDS and cancer, it's a very visual and visceral thing, right? Okay, well, it's, you know, it's very obvious that, you know, oh, this person has liver cancer or pancreatic cancer or, like, it's very specific. You know know where it is. They're going to try to target it to fix it. Whereas when it comes to mental illness, it's it's open and broad and it's a lot harder... I don't, I don't think people want to admit it. It's heavily stigmatized. Heavily. I don't disagree with your point. It's gotten a lot better than it used to. Yes. Like five or ten years ago. Oh. It is, but it's still very hard to access help because the, the individual has to access that help and that takes a huge amount of courage. It's it's not, you're not that, we're not that far away from it being completely socially acceptable. It's come I, so far along. It's come I think, far. I, I think we're still way off there. That's well, yeah. true too. Yeah, that but, is very but true. I think we're not talking about going in parties. I think it's literally like impossible, like to actually go and sit in a doctor's office and say, I am struggling with XYZ mm-hmm. is overwhelmingly challenging, talking about mental illness, whereas it's easy to go and say, oh, my arm hurts. And the numbers are so much higher in men than they are in women, right? It's the ego. The ego, right? To to say it's the ego, certainly I don't disagree that that is an issue for many. But I think there's a bigger underlying reason there. If somebody is suffering from some form of mental illness, they don't seek help because they are concerned of the repercussions. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And the most interesting aspect of that is I think they're right. I I And I still believe they're right. No, I agree. And it's not social repercussions or like, you know, maybe your neighbor finds out or something like that. You know, I just don't trust the government. Okay, okay, with that data. Okay, no, 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 we're not going there. Well, you brought it up. This is no. a deeper Because all of a sudden, no. you can't go to the U.S. You get refused on the border. So who cares? Or you lose your job. But, all I'm saying is you're in the system. It's, I'm not not talking about the acute treatment. Are you? I'm it's talking. not what the government thinks. No. It's whether or not maybe I lose my $200,000 job next month. Yeah. You know, Unfortunately, it is. The repercussions are, are very real, and until they completely get rid of it, until they get rid of the database... It would never, never, ever weigh my decision to do that. Hey, that's ever. great, but I, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking yeah. about a lot of men out there. It's not ego. It's the fact that, you know, if you go in there, we got, you, we got you are risking yeah, your We got privacy rights nowadays. You got shit. The biggest stigma is like what Libby mentioned was actually going into your doctor getting and admitting you need it. But it's, multi, is, it's multi-layered. Wasn't there a lady that was refused from crossing into the States about three or four years ago? Because the U.S. border now has access to mental health records of the Canadian government and... She went for consultation for depression or some form of mental illness, and they saw that on the database, and they refused her entry into the U.S. Oh, very positive. And I'll tell you, that went on the media all across Canada. You, you know, you spend the next five years 
advocating mental health for Canada, and that just put it right back at ground floor. You know, as soon as people see this, we don't have background on that though. She could be very, very violent around. They didn't know either. They just knew she went in for some mental illness. Maybe not. Yeah, that's the point. Sure, but okay. So you want to go to your daughter's wedding in like ten years to Texas or something, and all of a sudden you get refused at the border. Because, oh, in 1983, but, you had a... But what about within those 10 years, you actually found a medication that was able to help you balance life. No, and you've absolutely. lived a great life up until the 10 years. I'm not disagreeing. No, it's, it's, I will take health every day. So if I had to take a pill and it never allows me to leave Canada again, but that pill will help me live, I will take that pill but every that, day. But that's you, Vince. You're open and you're happy to do that. We're talking about the population as a whole. And that's great that you feel that way. But but we're just seeing a lot of people. And I'm not saying that a lot of people don't go and seek medical help just because they, they don't want to cross the border. I'm just saying that it's a very complicated issue. And it's very different going to a doctor's for, say, diabetes than it is for mental health. Yes. And I would imagine if you went in with a mental health issue, whether it be form of depression or anything, you probably have to go in and have a sit down and talk with your doctor and tell him why you are like this. That's got to be incredibly hard for people. I don't really think so. I, I chat with my doctor uh, all the time. Yeah, but no, no, it's very hard. I, I, just, I know it's just me and I'm not representative of the entire population. I just don't have an issue with it. I've got yeah. But, you know, if I ever did suffer from a mental health issue, I wouldn't bring it up. Because as soon as it goes in the system, everyone knows it. And they use it. So you, you have a family and wife and kids, so you would just make them suffer well, because of your pride about being able to leave Canada one well, day? No, it's not about oh just God. leaving Canada. It's not about just leaving Canada. Come on, that's it's, a cheap shot. What if all of a sudden I lose my job and can't get a job for the next 20 years of my life and we live in poverty because of it? But you wouldn't. You wouldn't lose your job. You, just, you don't know what's coming at you, right? Yeah. You get pulled over and, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe we should put him in a psychiatric lockdown for two days because he ran a stop sign. Dude. It depends how threatening it is to yeah. you. Yeah, it is. If well, I'm just feeling so. sad, then I'm not putting a gun to my head. It depends on the severity. It's so complex, Vince. It's not just about what job. It's, it's This is overreaching, right? It's not just that. It's not just crossing the border. It's not just whether you're going to lose your job or get a job or whatever. It, and and I, I think it would stop someone seeking treatment. Absolutely. Because they're embarrassed, they're humiliated, they're worried. They're worried about what people think. I would. I will, I will guarantee you. Oh, that worried that okay. someone's going to take away their children. Maybe you know? what I'm saying is that it, it should. It, it should. Sure, it should. We it all agree on that. Of course, oh. it shouldn't. Once you got into your doctor's office and you admitted you had a problem, and they said you can take the drug and it will help you. Mm-hmm. That's where I have the issue with someone saying no, I'm not going to because of what someone else will think. Oh, at that point, it doesn't matter because you already told yeah, your doctor. Yeah, so you've, you've got a diagnosis. So you well drugs. And you're going to have follow-ups for years and you'll have, you know, yeah, hopefully you know, access so to treatment. It's totally fine at that yeah. point, but, you know, you're flagged. The federal government will spend $400 million on radio and television ads to tell you how important your, you know, your mental health is. And meanwhile, the, on the back end, they're, you know, letting uh, irresponsible parties access the data. It's ridiculous. It's an interesting topic, though. So our holiday wrap-up turned out to be about 
depression. Ah, uh, the year's been interesting, right? Yeah, it has been. Started out with a massive run-up, uh, at least seemingly so a massive run-up. Um, now it feels like it's kind of starting to bottom out, or possibly it already bottomed out. Who knows? But the, the future's starting to look bright again, so we'll see. What do you think, uh, if there's another run-up, where is it going to stop? What's your prediction, Vince? We can find a bit about some people, and I agree with them. <laughs> and they're talking about dropping somewhere in and around 25 to the low twos, and then bumping back up significantly. Wall Street getting in on it, making everybody get the hell out, and then driving the price up. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you're a true paranoid skeptic like I am. Ah, paranoid skeptic, yes. You know, you would believe that big money and those in power want to suppress the rise of Bitcoin for as long as they can, and making Bitcoin become boring. Hopefully the masses will become disinterested in it. And, and in, a, in a large part it's worked. Um, but, you know, here we go again. It looks like we're putting a low in right now and it's a lot of a higher low than uh, you know it was a year or two ago. So, oh, definitely. You know, I think it's going to start firing up again. So we shall see. I don't know what it's going to get to, when it will get there. I'm pretty happy to see what I'm seeing now with the activity in Bitcoin. People are trying to get the price down more and short it. And, you know, and there's a lot of people that were saying it's going to go to zero. And, you know, they're kind of not saying it anymore. People are buying at these levels, so. I've heard Ripple's going to do really well next year. You want to buy some Ripple? Some bank-controlled crypto? Sure, if it's going to have Well, we... I think some people are saying Ethereum's got to pop soon, so... I don't know. Who's to say? I want some Ripple. Maybe Who's going to buy me some Ripple? Maybe Santa would bring you a, um, a sleigh full of Ripple. Oh, please, Santa. <laughs> okay, Darren, I, before we leave, and thank everybody, I would like to hear what you think your high... Bitcoin 2019 prediction will be. Oh, 2019. Yeah. There's some strong resistance on Bitcoin prices. I think they've a significant reason to might be seven. I mean, you know, you can see it try to get up to seven and then kind of bounce back down. It'll eventually push up. All I want is your high point number. I That's like right. this. I like what Darren's saying. What are you so fucking antsy about? Blah, blah, blah. Well, if you get, get pushed back from sevens, but the weird thing is, though, you know, if it starts getting over sevens and into the tens, you're going to get that FOMO thing going where it's just going to fucking go boom, right? But where it stops, I don't know. You know, maybe the rise will be kind of calm, be nice to kind of see it, you know, in the 10 to 18 next year, just slowly rising. But we, I think everybody knows that's not going to happen. So if it pops... It could be a good battle in the sevens and eights, um, maybe in the spring and summer, even I'm looking long term. You know, if it starts to pop, you know, you could see a massive run up, but that might not even be until uh, early 2020. But I think the next run up, whenever it does happen, it will be probably before the next happening. So late 2019, early 2020. I don't know, you might see something even. Getting into 40, 50, 80. Not next year. I'm hoping it kind of calms down a bit so you don't get these, like... 
I think you know, well, Bitcoin I mean, was three thousand. Now it's eight thousand this week, and then it was five. It's five thousand the week after. But you know it's going to move like that. It's not going to creep up slowly. Someone's going to get on it. It's going to. Yeah, but you know, I'm starting to think that maybe there's a lot of pressure at seven. Maybe seven or eight. It'd be nice to see it hang around there for a while, you know. And then maybe it does a massive rise, and maybe it comes back to seven next. It seems to go to go into bubbles and then come back down. But I was higher than it used to be. So yeah, but with that, you're also talking about how low it's going to stay too, right? So if you think it's going to hover around seven, no. But I'm, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of resistance at seven. So people would try to buy it, and then sellers will try to push it down when it hits seven. But ultimately, it'll break through. But what I'm saying is the next time, you know, if it goes up to 20 or 50 and comes back down again, it, my feeling is seven's probably going to be the number where you're not going to get below. All right. But, you know, that's not really based on any technical analysis. Or anything, so. And, you know, the exponential chart will probably tell a very different story. It might say, you know. The next low in 2019 might be 30,000. I don't know, but do we have a right to question the exponential growth of Bitcoin or the adoption of Bitcoin? You know, at this point, I could probably say there is some evidence that maybe we're not on that track. I don't know. Right. But then again, when the halving hits, goddamn, you know, all of a sudden there's only half the amount of Bitcoins getting mined per block. So. You know, maybe we're right back on that exponential track where all of a sudden you can't buy a Bitcoin for less than $140,000. Wouldn't that be nice? Who knows, you know? It's... So give me the highest point Bitcoin will be at next year. Your guess. I won't say next year. I'll say the halving in 2020. Where are you going with that? I'd say my lowest will be, yeah, I'd say about 30,000 low. Highest, I don't know. It's ridiculous to even say. I mean, it could be 40, it could be 100. Be 400. I think it'll get over 22 at its highest point next year. Oh, yeah. And it's happening. I completely agree with you. Well, there's a lot of interesting things that have changed since the last big peak, right? Yeah. With the Segwit 2X and the uh, adoption of the Lightning Network. You know, you're not going to see the $40 transactions, or you may, but if you do see the $40 transaction fees, that means Bitcoin is probably worth three, four hundred thousand a crack because everybody wants it. Governments and banks have a huge amount of resources. <laughs> they want to mess with it. They will mess with it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all fun though, right? It is, so, for sure. You know, the, I guess the first rule is don't put money in Bitcoin if you can't afford it. You know, yeah. use, use money that you can afford to lose. Yeah. And that way you never get in dire straits about anything that may happen, mm. such as Bitcoin going from 20,000 to 3,500, who knows? So why would Ripple do as well next year? Oh, someone's got a prediction. I've seen it a lot though. <laughs> yeah, I read the same Ripple prediction. I, I believe a big major bank decided that they were gonna accept and use Ripple. News Look, Rip, Ripple's bank and government friendly. Yeah. It's not run on decentralized servers, it's run on private servers. It is. It's completely different than a decentralized cryptocurrency. And I made a little bit of money on Ripples. Banks and governments would love Ripple to take over Bitcoin, and banks and governments have access to media. So when you read media about cryptocurrency, there's almost always Ripple being talked about and shown in a positive light. Mm -hmm. And Ripple will do well because of that, make no mistake, but it's not Bitcoin. 
But yeah. Ripple's also being used, I believe, in now interbank transfers, bank-to-bank international transfers. But yeah, you know, it's definitely a game changer compared to, you know, the current systems they have in place now, which is, you know, the SWIFT system, which is yes. an archaic system being propped up by sticks and this is, it's all fun and games, but it is. no offense to anyone out there, banks or programmers or, yeah. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, thank you for a very fun year. I know we've had a great time, guys. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great. Back for year too. Yeah, we look forward to uh, going into another year and once again wish you all a happy holiday. Peace and love to you all. Good night. Good night. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.